Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Utah Liberty Talk. This is Tyson David. What's up, guys? I'm so sorry for the everything that happened. You guys got to hear me out, though. It was a tough time. I was struggling. Um, not because my life sucks, but, well, it did suck. Finals week kicked my freaking butt, but I, everything was good. Got the semester finished up. Got my credits, of course. I got to love it. Eat it up. Um, hope you are grinding out there. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're in school, if you're learning a trade, if you're going to the gym every day, that's important. I'm going to the gym. But make sure you're grinding. Make sure you're working hard for yourself. Um, so anyways, I did that, and then I went on vacation. Yeah, I went on a little vacation. It was, it was a good time. Maybe you guys don't care about this, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit because it was fun. Uh, went with my girlfriend on a road trip. Uh, we're in Utah, of course. So we hit Wyoming, then we hit Nebraska. <clears throat> Then we hit Nebraska, and then we hit, like, uh, Iowa, Illinois, I think, and Kansas and Missouri. We went all the way, like, across the U.S. up, up top, and then we went to spend the night in Nashville. It was cool. I love country music. Um, and then I went to the Country Music Hall of Fame, and I looked at all the trucks on the road, and they were all, like, the big, big wheels driving on rubber bands and all sorts of crap. I thought it was stupid. And then the Country Music Hall of Fame was, like, half of it just like pop singers so i thought that was pretty stupid too <clears throat> but uh and then we went to south carolina where where my girlfriend is from and then we swooped back down drove down through georgia mississippi uh or alabama then mississippi louisiana that place is cool it's kind of a big swamp stopped in new orleans places a dump uh louisiana and then got to texas then hit new mexico arizona up through utah Drove uh, through Moab, some beautiful red rocks out there, especially in Arizona, too. Uh, stopped at a Native American reservation in Arizona for a night once. That was cool. Um, interesting deal. It was a lot of fun. There's a um, possum outside of our uh, hotel door in Texas. Um, Louisiana is like a big swamp if you guys haven't been there. What's really cool is, like, by the time we hit, like, Missouri and then uh, – Missouri, and then I think we hit, sorry, I think we hit Illinois after we hit Missouri. Then we went to Kentucky. Um, but as soon as we hit Missouri, all the way, the whole drive, all the way up until Louisiana was trees freaking everywhere. It was crazy. I couldn't believe there were so many trees there. Um, all right, well, that, there's some other things that happened, but that's enough about my, my boring experience that you guys don't care about. Uh, I got to get this moving along a little bit because I still got to hit the gym today. I was too lazy to get up. I worked, worked at 4 and 12 hours yesterday, so I was a little bit tired. Stayed up until midnight playing video games. You know how it goes sometimes. So I was a little bit tired, but uh, anyways, um, recording the episode. And today uh, we're going to be doing it on, uh, we're going to be doing it on foreign intervention. And uh, this is an interesting topic. This is episode six, interesting topic. Um, check out the new episode of Political Dysfunction. I did it with Hunter. Uh, we keep those episodes a little bit shorter. Um, I'm gonna try and see what I can what I can do in this one, what I wanna talk about. But uh, man, foreign intervention is a tri tricky topic. And uh, you know, the beginning of the United States birth is kind of something that we didn't really partake in all that much. 
um, we kind of told European nations we didn't want them to come screw with us. And I mean, that is what it is. That was the Monroe Doctrine. Uh, they said you're basically said you're not allowed to come here on the Western Hemisphere. Screw with it. Oh, you're out there. Sorry, it's the first time I've gone since I started recording. This is the third episode I recorded today. Um, and so basically, we really started getting bad with the intervention. And uh, I think there's a situation that happened with Chile. Chile. I would actually say that, like, if you think about it, I would majorly say that it happened in the Civil War. Um, because a lot of people from the Confederate States were fleeing. Uh, there's there's a lot of people that went to Brazil, other South American countries that happened, believe it or not. Kind of kind of a part of history we don't really talk about, but it happened. And there was uh, naval blockades around uh, Brazilian ports that uh, done by the United States Navy that uh, they, they didn't want them to be able to escape. Um, that happened. And then we had like our wars with Mexico and stuff. Some people would argue it's not foreign intervention with the same kind of idea. I'm struggling right now. Jeez, man. I need a Coke. <sighs> Anyways, some people would argue it's not necessarily in a foreign intervention. Uh, I, I, like, I like the idea of manifest destiny in a way, but my concept of the government uh, and its role just doesn't really necessarily uh, fit for my possible uh, advocacy of that. So I'm in an interesting situation. So I have mixed feelings on it. Um... I obviously like that I'm born in Utah. I like the West. I like that I'm an American, even though our government isn't great. I'd rather be living in, under the United States of America than under Mexico. Um, but some people would say it's not foreign intervention. Um, Civil War, kind of where it started, but you can really give most credit um, in how it affects our recent history to, um, oh, who was the president? McKinley, I think. It's McKinley, 1898. Um, yeah, it must have been McKinley. Yes, it was McKinley. It was McKinley. Um, because McKinley was president, and then Roosevelt, who led the Rough Riders in the Spanish American War over what was supposed to be Cuban's independence, Cuba's independence. Um, and uh, we basically told Cuba that we'd have them with their independence from the Spanish, and then we didn't really give it to them, and we kind of did our weird territory type situation with them that we'd done with other places before, such as uh, Guam and Hawaii and the Philippines and Puerto Rico. Uh, but anyways, so we didn't really give them their independence. You know how that goes. Um, Roosevelt, after uh, he became pretty famous for the Rough Riders victory and whatever battle I forget, um, he became McKinley's vice president his next term. McKinley was assassinated. Roosevelt steps up. So, and then it goes, I remember uh, McKinley Roosevelt. So, yeah, it was McKinley. Um, and we've had some intervention in South America. Otherwise, uh, something happened in Chile. I think I might have said this. Maybe not. Maybe I just thought it. In the 50s or 60s, 1850s or 60s, that is. And the Panama Canal, of course. Um, What's really interesting is uh, what we've done diplomatically to other Latin American countries. Oh my gosh, come on, could yawn it. Uh, through the war on drugs, um, that is something that has really affected Latin American countries in, the, in a lot of different ways. 
And uh, you can definitely call it foreign intervention, considering that we have caused the cartels of Mexico. Um, otherwise, we, we've had our fair share of intervention on the um, this side of the hemisphere. I would talk about Cuba, the Bay of Pigs and stuff in the 60s. I'll talk about it a little bit later. Um, because I really wanted to talk about what really kind of started our worst, like who we are now um, with our empire and our foreign intervention. And what that was, was is World War One. For those of you that may not know how uh, World War One started, uh, World War One started when the Archduke of Austria, Hungary, Franz Ferdinand, was assassinated by a Syrian nationalist who wanted independence. Um, basically, what had happened at that point in time was um, Austria-Hungary gave unrealistic ultimatums to Syria. Syria wasn't happy about it, and they were allies with Russia. So Syria um, basically says, uh, no, Russia, I'm not gonna do this. Uh, you want to go to war with us because we want to be independent or nationalist, whatever. I think it was a battle for independence. You don't want to go to war with us, then we got Russia. And Austria Hungary goes, Well, you got Russia, whatever. We have Germany. Um, so, you know, Tango, we can tango. And then Russia mobilized its troops to the German border. Um, and then uh, Germany retaliated to that, and um, I don't know, I forget who first declared war. This, um, who first declared, declared war in World War One? Let's see, Austria-Hungary, um, okay, declares war on Serbia. Um, after I guess Serbia didn't ultimatum, then Russia steps in because they're allies with Serbia, and then uh, Germany steps in because they're allies with Austria-Hungary. Austria-Hungary, Russia mobilizes the German border. Germany retaliates, and then um, Russia didn't tell people that there's the Triple Entente, which was a secret alliance between France, England, and Russia. So boom, France and Great Britain are pulled into this thing and Germany's fighting a three-headed dog, and the United States stays out of it for uh, for quite some time, three years, and uh, then the United States decides to get involved in the war because of uh, political pressure from their allies, Great Britain and France, and so they go in there, and whoop butt. Uh, it was a bad war, mustard gas was developed for this war, um, trench warfare fun. Um, Germany wasn't happy that the US was using shotguns in the trenches they were using Maine. Uh, maybe it was just a little OP um, that's overpowered for this because it enters video games. But um, anyways, so let's see where I'm at. Germany loses. It, Italy was in there as well. I think Italy was on uh, on the side of Serbia, Russia, and so Germany loses. 
Treaty of Versailles is made. Germany gets screwed over. They're not happy about it. And uh, Woodrow Wilson, that freaking bastard, he tries to start like what would become the United Nations, but it wasn't because no one cared about it. Um, failed epically. And uh, that's because Congress was like, no, we don't want to do this. We need to be isolationists. We should have never gotten involved in the first place. Uh, many of them were, uh, which I agree with is a bad deal. And uh, basically, Treaty of Versailles pinned the whole war on Germany. <clears throat> um, and then shortly after Russia had their uh, revolution, uh, actually, Russia pulled out during World War I because they had their revolution, uh, which is interesting considering that uh, France and Great Britain only got involved because they were allies with Russia. Uh, it just became us fighting the Germans for no reason. It's uh, humans, oh my gosh, we're just but um, anyways, so Russia pulls out because they have their revolution. They recently lost a war that was pretty unnecessary with Japan. Uh, Japan got a lot of confidence being able to, you know, oh yeah, we have a lot, we can, we can compete with these European countries. Russia really hurt they have their revolution. Um, and the Great Depression happens shortly after. And then after the Great Depression, the United States basically becomes a giant welfare state where the government pays a bunch of people. That was like really like when we like when government jobs in the world just skyrocketed because you have the, the communists in Russia, then you have the United States, like the alphabet soup creating a whole crap ton of jobs. Um, basically a bunch of job programs through taxation um, in a lot of different countries. Interesting. But uh, anyways, so uh, World War One essentially leads to World War II. Um, Hitler was able to rise to power because he was able to use the the uh, insult the Treaty of Versailles was to to convince his fellow Germans that the that their land, their motherland, had been uh, disgraced, lost its honor, uh, it was unfair, and. Uh, German, the, the Nazis, the National uh, Socialist Workers Party, something like, uh, something like that, they were socialists though. Uh, and because that's one of the pillars of fascism, many people will say that uh, fascism is when the government protects private rights. Like I, I heard an anarcho-communist say that to me once, and I was like, that is ridiculous. Uh, fascism is when the corporations are all going away. But uh, anyways, um, and that, that's an aspect of socialism. But uh, Russia basically, or Russia and Germany basically, like creates a bunch of jobs uh, to get pull out of the Great Depression in a similar fashion that the United States did. But what they did was it was uh, create a lot of manufacturing jobs. They developed a lot of new weapons under Hitler's rule, and they decided. Oh, I got to quit yawning. They decided that they were going to take back the land that they had lost unfairly in the Treaty of Versailles. Germany and Russia, uh, Hitler and Stalin, or no, it was actually Lenin when uh, they made the pact. Hitler and Lenin made a pact. Lenin gave Hitler some of their land. Lenin's, uh, Lenin's excuse for it was the capitalist regime of society and humanity would be overthrown and that communism would, would overthrow it one day. Um, but so they signed an alliance. 
Russia and Germany are aren't going to attack each other. And Hitler goes on the move. Um, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, I forget his name, because he's probably infamous for his appeasement policy. They let Germany keep overthrowing European countries over and over and over and over again. And so Germany just kept uh, taking over the land. They were obviously doing bad stuff at home, the Jews. And um, the appeasement kept happening and happening and happening until Germany invaded Poland. That was kind of the last straw. And then they went all the way through until France. France got their butts whooped by that blitzkrieg, let me tell you what. And meanwhile, let's not forget what was going on in the Pacific. Japan is island hopping uh, and whooping butt in Asia. Uh, they've got huge portions of China, the Philippines. Uh, they are, they are, they've got a real empire going on out there. So, so Japan's whooping butt. Germany's whooping butt. Uh, the Italians are basically just fascists, but there was a few wars that they had, maybe even some land that they had acquired uh, across the Mediterranean. I specifically in the Northern Africa area. Um, but that happens for a while. And then uh, I'm not sure if y'all have seen the movie Dunkirk, but Germany, Great Britain sent reinforcements to France as Germany was pushing through it. And they just, they, I mean, they all got whooped. And so Hitler stalled and then uh, bombed and let the Great Britain people escape, I guess. He admired Churchill. Churchill was the one that took over after the appeasement policy and was the one that was willing to step up. I guess he admired Churchill in some ways, but, um, and then after some time, the United States decides to step in uh, after Pearl Harbor. Um, and so even after Pearl Harbor, the Japanese have brought us in. Germany probably wasn't too happy about it. But uh, uh, Germany attacked Russia too, so Russia was and Germany, Germany lost big in Russia. But um, the United States was uh, decided with Winston Churchill that Hitler was enemy number one. And Hitler was doing bad things. He's taking over all sorts of nations, imperialism. So was Japan and the, the uh, Third Reich and the uh, horrible genocide of the Jews. They were doing bad stuff. They were doing bad stuff. Concentration camps. Not that concentration camps haven't happened ever before. The U.S. has held concentration camps. Civil War, for example. Um, you know, in India. I mean, there's always been concentration camps for civilians it's just a different situation it's okay um i mean war isn't okay either though i'm not excusing i'm just saying it. in in the perspective of war it's it's somewhat of a movie anyways um so you know they're like oh we gotta stop Hitler. you know he's doing some real bad things and that and that becomes like a, a very big question when you end up talking about american foreign policy uh especially for libertarians because people like myself uh I mean, I'm I'm an I'm an isolationist. I'm a non-interventionist, and um, you know it's hard when you get situations where I've got a good friend who spends a lot of time in Albania, and he's like, "Oh, the Albanians just love Americans because the Americans stopped their genocide." So you know, when do you get involved if if someone's you know getting genocided or if if you know some something's going wrong? 
when do you get involved in that situation? Do you get involved in that situation? Is it our job or our responsibility to protect these nations? Um, and it's it's a hard thing to do. But I think in reality, it's I there every conflict's got two different sides, and if you take one side, you're there's going to be ways to make the argument that you're not right. And uh, especially in the time being, it's a little bit different when looking back on it. But um, I always prefer a, a Switzerland mentality that is armed and neutral. Many people will, I mean, Switzerland is isolationist. Many people will confuse Switzerland with pacifism uh, because they are uh, armed, they're not non, they're, they're not non-interventionists or isolations. And uh, the difference is though, this that it's not pacifist because uh, there was actually time in World War II where both German and US aircraft flow, flew over Switzerland and they shot them down, both of them. Not, not, I don't think it was necessarily at the same time, but basically Switzerland was like, we're not letting anyone in our airspace. You violated our airspace. We're going to shoot you down. That's just how it's going to work. I think that's exactly how it should be. Like the porcupine. Don't try it on me. That's, that's going to be a classic. But, um, and so... You know, it's a tricky situation though when you talk about if it becomes our responsibility and you, you know, you feel bad for people. Uh, but over time, and especially after World War II, um, Russia wasn't very happy with us because we had really, we really let Russia take the run of material power. It was bad. I mean, uh, Roosevelt was, you know, talking with Churchill and they decided to like go for Italy first, uh, even though Hitler was supposed to be one. Russia was, was I mean, lots and lots of Russians died in that war. And uh, so I can see why Russia would be a little bit frustrated with the United States. You know, if I was Russia, I'd really feel like I was hung out to dry. Um, and Russia decides, you know, um, Germany split up into fours, and those four sections of Germany are to be ruled by uh, different parts of the Allies. And everyone basically, uh, after a few years, gives up their portion of Germany they're ruling over, uh, except for Russia. So Eastern Germany is Soviet. And uh, that also is Eastern Berlin as well, but Berlin was mostly Western. Eastern Germany was Soviet. Um, and that, that was basically like, after all the allies gave up their land in, in Germany, that's basically what caused the, uh, I guess us to feel skeptical towards the Russians. Uh, they're not giving their portion of Germany back. Um, and so, that pretty much starts the Cold War. Um, and then this is what I was talking about. I was going to talk about before with the uh, Bay of Pigs and stuff in Cuba. We had the Cuban Missile Crisis where uh, government believed that Russia was sending uh, nuclear missiles to Cuba and they were able to like, hit mainland United States from Cuba with them. 
Um, and so that was a problem for the U.S., all sorts of Navy blockades, lots of stuff going on. Uh, there was a point in time under JFK that the United States even tried to invade Cuba, and it failed miserably. It was a catastrophe. Um, what was interesting, though, is that there's actually classified documents of um, the government planning to commit a terrorist attack on American soil in order to uh, have an excuse to go after Cuba and so on and so Sadly enough, but uh, let's see what else is going on here. Oh yes, and then we cannot forget. Oh yeah, before that actually, um, as also a part of the Cold War, we actually got involved in a lot of quote unquote conflicts as a part of the Cold War. Korean conflict being one of them. Communist North Korea wants to invade uh, Democratic, apparently South Korea. Um, the United States goes to their protection, uh, you know, South Korea, North Korea, maybe South Korea gets its independence somewhat. And uh, that's how it was. So we had the Korean conflict, which is what they call it. I think technically the Vietnam War was Vietnam conflict. Um, this is because of executive orders and the Truman Doctrine. Talked about this with Hunter on political dysfunction. Truman Doctrine basically talks about. Um, how the United States needs to be the policeman of the world against communism. Um, and so, um, Korean War, stop communism. What happened in Cuba to stop communism? Uh, Vietnam War, stop communism. This is all from executive influence. And because of that, there is no wars declared by Congress. Even though the executive has the power to move troops, uh, they don't constitutionally have the power to do acts of war without congressional approval and a declaration of war, which they did anyways. A lot of political mumbo jumbo, but it's just bull crap because people want to overstep their boundaries. And so they call it conflicts to make it technically appealing. So you have the Vietnam conflict horrible war uh, same with korea horrible wars americans were drafted and killed to go fight communism unnecessarily because um, we decided we wanted to be the policeman of the world which is just unacceptable it's not okay it is not our responsibility uh we should, we should promote our ideas um the problem is, is that since the Good founding fathers, you know, died a long time ago. Uh, we loved as a nation to install democracy without installing first. Stupid stuff. Anyways, so, uh, you know, you have these conflicts just are even worse. Um, and then in the 90s, you kind of see a shift in the attention of the United States. Kind of like, see with Gorbachev. Russia's starting to calm down. He's giving them a little more freedom. Um, our attention gets drawn to places like Northern Africa and the Middle East. And part of the reason why what happened in the Middle East happened is because of uh, what happened in Israel. There was, a, there was some bad deals about what was going on in the Middle East that we got involved in, some conflicts in Egypt that fortunately we didn't really get involved in. Uh, Great Britain, I believe, tried to invade mainland Egypt. 
mainland Egypt, Chidenme Egypt. Um, what else? There was there was lots of retaliation from what I mean the United States. I mean, what do we do? We're bullies at this point in time. We're gonna go around, we're gonna swing it, you know. We're gonna make sure that we protect Israel. We're gonna displace the Palestinians who are gonna go and be like, hey, we hate these guys. Make alliances. Um, we're we're I think that uh Suez Canal is what happened with the Egypt, Great Britain, Egypt in control of it, Great Britain did one and two. And this is basically acts of this is what this is major acts of resistance from the Middle East to the West. Major acts of resistance. So Middle East starts to think, all right, we can compete with the West. Um, interestingly enough, as much as the Cold War was ending, uh, many of them are armed with AK-47s, which is a Russian firearm. Um, and we're involved in the Middle East from the late 80s. Um, like I said, our attention started to kind of get taken away. Russia in the late 80s, 92, Soviet Union collapses, 91, 92. I don't know exactly what technically happened in 91 and exactly what technically happened in 92, but there's some specific. But, anyways, um, and so we're involved in the Middle East for a while. Bush, Bush the first Bush does his thing. 9-11 um, happens, think about the conspiracy side of that as you will. 9-11 happens, and uh, that's a little bit of a deal right there. And so we've been in the Middle East, and we've been in the Middle East now for 30 years. Um, it's not stopping, showing no signs of slowing down, no sirree. Um, it looked like it might, I'm not a Trump fan, but it looked like it might have under Trump. We, we like asserting our dominance in the world, and I don't see a reason why our politicians would want that to change, so I don't think it's going to. And, uh, you know, we got to guard those um, poppy fields in Afghanistan. Um, so, yeah, that's it's kind of a situation. We have more military bases, and because we have this, you know, we created NATO, and we spend a lot of money in, money, um, in order to beef up NATO because other nations don't quite spend the money that we do. Um, so in order to, you know, kind of even it out, we spend a lot of money there. We spend a ton of money in our military. So we've got bases all over the world to make up for that. What we think we're protecting democracies, what we need to do, and our beliefs are what's right for NATO, so on and so forth. Uh, I gotta say, I am absolutely exhausted today. There's just, <sighs> I'm just so tired. And I need to go to the gym too. I'm gonna drink a Red Bull for that. But I'm gonna finish this episode good. That's pretty much gonna be what uh, what the main episode is gonna be about today. However, I did read a little bit of an article today um, about Davis County, Utah. It's where I live, Davis County, baby. Um, so Sheriff Kelly Sparks talks about um, 
they them having a responsibility to uh, uphold the Constitution, um, to not enforce. Nice. So not enforce. Uh, they won't enforce bad laws. According to authorities, this article by ABC4 says, according to authorities, the Second Amendment policy, a strong defense against any governmental infringement on the constitutional rights of Davis County citizens. The Davis County Attorney's Office unequivocally supports the sheriff's policy. Davis County Attorney, Attorney Troy Rawlings told Davis County Commissioners, the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution helps to secure the viability, veracity, and longevity of all of the constitutional amendments and rights. The policy reaches the right balance for securing public safety and constitutional rights. Authorities say the policy requires all sheriff's office personnel to protect the individual rights enumerated in the Constitution and detailed in the Bill of Rights, recognizes the fundamental right to keep and bear arms in states that shall not be infringed, reduces violence through enforcement of clearly established, narrowly tailored, narrowly tailored laws that do not infringe on the individual rights of law-abiding citizens, reduces violence through enforcement of clearly established narrowly tailored laws that do not interesting i'll look at that a little more prohibits county law enforcement officers from enforcing unconstitutional federal laws or presidential executive orders baby that basically means as far as davis county like you could manipulate that in some court some ways it won't go very far um if it goes to the federal court i don't know maybe maybe County and state courts might get you off that here in Utah. There's a few ways you can work around this, but essentially, I mean, like if you made a machine gun in Utah and it stayed in Utah, it's technically legal as of the Utah Manufactured Firearms Protection Act in 2010, signed by the Utah legislator and governor. Um, and also basically saying that like these officers have, uh, have been prohibited from enforcing unconstitutional federal laws or presidential executive orders. So that means that the bump stock ban automatically gets uh, not enforced. Uh, that's nice to know. That's very nice to know. Um, and I guess it kind of depends what what laws are unconstitutional. I guess that's a good course, to, a good uh, case to make in court. Um, prohibits the use of any county resources in enforcing presidential executive orders or other federal decrees that are unconstitutional. Isn't that so funny that like these guys are obviously doing it because they're worried about Biden's executive orders. Yeah, Trump executive order banned bump stocks. So I really hope that this is gonna apply all the way around because, I mean, it's gotten right. Freedom applies all the way around. He's in court. I mean, you gotta tell the judge and be like, look, look, this is what it says. I mean, they can't tell me that there was only intended for Joe Biden. That's just bull crap, that's partisan politics. Yeah, there's no way you, you got that in court. Uh, prohibits county law enforcement officers from assisting or cooperating with federal or state agencies in the enforcement of a presidential order or federal enforcement agency policy that infringes on the right to keep and bear arms. Nice. Nice. Good deal. So, big step for protecting uh, Second Amendment rights in Davis County uh, and in Utah in general. Utah's been doing some work. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if that county. Uh, enforcement policy conflicts with the states, but I don't think so because Utah, I think, let me see Utah HB 76 passed. HB 76 is basically giving state supremacy on um, firearms situations and, uh, let's see, gives state supremacy in firearms issues, but, uh, 
electricity, firearms preemption limits. Yeah. So it basically um, gives you tell the power to not enforce certain federal firearms regulations, but it gives the state supremacy over it. So um, I doubt that if the state is fighting for freedom, then that'll conflict with what Davis County's policy is now. But apparently Davis County will fight against the state if the state does decide to enforce other certain federal firearms laws. With that being said, uh, I think I'm going to wrap it up. I'm not sure how long I've been recording, but I hope it was long enough for you guys. Uh, thanks for listening so much. Uh, check everything out. Check out Political Dysfunction. We got the Patreon. We got some badass shirts on libertyandbookforall.com. Uh, I'm going to get some articles published here pretty soon on, uh, on the website, utahlibertytalk.com. Y'all take care. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all have a good one. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.